Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about MSU's exciting 88-80 victory over the Fighting Illini. Before we begin, just a word of thanks to David W., who sent along the following message. I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and have been listening to Tiff Knott's podcast for a couple years. This winter, some snow pulled gutters off my house, and before, because I listened to the show, I found a brother's gutters in the St. Louis area. They replaced my gutters, and so far, I'm really happy with their service. I know it doesn't mean much for your partners in Michigan, but I thought I'd just let you know in case you might want to share with them. Thanks for all your work with the podcast. Go green. Uh, so thanks a lot, David. And to anyone who's interested in reaching out to our sponsors, you can find the links on our support page, tffinots.com support. You can also find ways to keep us on the air with one-time gifts or recurring gifts as well. All right, Rod, let's talk about this hard-fought game from MSU as they bounce back from a pretty disappointing performance in Minneapolis. Specifically, good bounce back for A.J. Hogard, who responded today with a great showing where I thought he was great on both sides of the ball. He finished... Uh, with going 5 of 13, but 12 of 13 from the line for 23 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds, and 2 steals in 35 minutes. He was uh, helped along with his seniors, Malik Hall, who had 22 points and 5 boards, and Walker, who scored 19 points with 2 rebounds and a couple steals to propel the Spartans to win, and up to 7 and 6 in the, uh, we'll call it the topsy-turvy Big Ten. Uh, also note, I think yeah, this is a play of Jackson Kohler, who played 13 minutes, I think it's his longest stint this season. Had four rebounds, two of them offensive, which he converted both into buckets. Illinois certainly presented a lot of really difficult problems for MSU defensively, but Spartan survived the Coleman-Shannon Jr. combo and mainly propelled by Michigan State's run to finish the game, coming back from a 72-64 deficit at the 738 mark into an eight-point win uh, on a 24-8 run to finish the game. A lot, a lot to talk about in what was a very big win, I think, it's it's hard with five weeks left to call it necessary. <laughs> yeah, um, five weeks till Selection Sunday at least. But I I don't think Michigan State was out of the tournament by any stretch if they'd lost this game. But this is an important win because uh, for many reasons, but not least of which is that it was a quad one win, and so yeah. not only is that going to matter for you know, decisions being in or out of the tournament, but it also matters in terms of seeding. It's and here's the thing: yeah. Michigan State, as of right now, only has one more quad one opportunity left, and it's in West Lafayette. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you don't put that one down as a likely win. Um, so this was really one you had to take advantage of. Now, I don't think it's impossible for Northwestern to get into that range, and I believe they get Northwestern at the Breslin. At the end of the, the year, end of the season, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's big. Um, 
it would be big if that Northwestern game edges into quad one and and you get it. But but as of right now, the only certainty are those two, and this is the only one you had at home. So it it really helps. It's their third quad one win against, I think, seven losses. That um, sounds right. So it it helps. There's there's no doubt about that. I think the biggest thing, though, we talked about this in the in the pregame, was this was going to say a lot about whether what happened in Minneapolis was a one game blip that you can put behind you and and say, look, we still are in a position where we're gaining momentum, and mm-hmm. and it and they did that. So that it's I believe it's six of eight now that they've won with the losses coming right at Wisconsin at Minnesota. So you can fairly say after this one that momentum is intact, I think. And that matters yeah. because they're going to need that momentum as they carry through the rest of the regular season. And then we would assume on into the tournament. Um, that's where it's at for this team. You know, the, the opera, as we all know, the opportunity to hang <laughs> regular season banners are, are gone. That's, that's over. There's always a chance you could do something in the Big Ten tournament, and that would be nice, but I think mm-hmm. that's always the least important of the possible banners you can win <laughs> if you're Michigan State. You even hang those banners. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's nice. I'm not downplaying it. I think it actually matters more than it used to in an environment where you, you see so many teams in the league only one time. It's nice to yeah. have that event, and I think teams do care about it, but it's let's be honest, it's the one that matters the least. So... Right now, what your primary focus is, I think, is just making sure that you're steadily getting better and building toward what we usually hope is the outcome. And frankly, over his tenure, what we usually get from Tom Bizzo teams, and that's a team that's playing its best at the end of the year. And by the way, as I've noted here before, probably more than once, even these last three seasons that so many people seem to believe is um, the dregs of college basketball the way MSU has played every one of those teams was playing its best basketball at the end of the season every all three of them right and so it's not a stretch to expect this team to do the same but you you need to be building you need to be continually getting better and I think today was definitely a step in that direction um uh, big big things to call out first let's start with the veterans and Particularly, yeah. you know, you mentioned A.J. Hogard, and he was absolutely critical. But there was another guy that was just as critical in this win, and that was Malik Hall. And both of those Correct. guys needed to bounce back after what happened in Minneapolis. And they did. Uh, it's really, I saw someone point this out uh, on the Spartan Mag board, and he's correct, saying, you know, it's not unusual to see A.J. Hogard answer the bell after getting challenged. He and that's true. He yeah. has done that many times in his career. the 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 hard part is that he's been in the position of having to answer the bell so many times in the first place, right? Because if if you're playing <laughs> well consistently, you're not having to bounce back. But look, kudos to him. He is a guy who has shown, and this is to me, this is the operative. You had to, if you had to reduce this win to one word, to me that word would be resiliency because that's yep. what they showed. Uh, there were lots of occasions where Illinois was throwing haybakers and Michigan State had every chance to wilt. And I'm sure 
a lot of the people listening to this when they were watching that game probably had their moments where they felt like it was starting to slip away. And the fact that those kids didn't, that coaching staff didn't, and they responded the way they did uh, is is remarkable. And as I say, Malik was just as big a part of that, in my estimation, as AJ. I mean, a down the stretch, those were the two guys who won this thing, who closed it out. They were both making huge plays. And I, I thought AJ, there was, or sorry, Malik, there was a sequence where Illinois was trying to guard him with Luke Goody. And mm-hmm. we've talked about Goody a couple times this season. He's not a typical, just a shooter kind of guy. You think of those kind of players typically as guys who can hurt you from three, hurt you with the jumper, but they're, they don't do a lot else. That's not Luke Goody. He's actually really tough. He's a strong guy. He's physical. He can rebound a little bit. He can defend. He was absolutely destroyed by Malik Hall to the point that they had to get him out of the game. And they had to come back in with Garrier because Goody just could not handle him. There was one sequence where he got called for a foul. He had a a rebound fall (laughs) off him. And and then Malik finally blasted him for, uh, for a bucket. And you just... You had to feel a little pity for the kid because he was trying, but Malik was too much. That is as as confident and aggressive a Malik call as I've ever seen. And I've seen him play some really good games at Michigan State. But I'm going to say, subject to correction by someone, and even then I don't think I'd buy it because it's not just about the numbers, <laughs> um, that was the best game I've seen him play. And then, you know, A.J., also was making you you can in fact i think you can credit him for really the 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 key moments in that second half run that they you mentioned where they outscored them 24 to 8 to close the game if you go back mm-hmm. and i want to want to make sure i've got the numbers right yeah so they were down um 72 74 well, they were and that's right when I thought it was 60. over. Damas hit that three. I'm like a seventy-two sixty-four. But then um, it goes to Tyson Walker gets a couple free throws, take it to seventy-two sixty-six, right? And yep. so then Shannon Jr. misses a three. Jaden misses a three, which was an ill-advised shot in transition. Yeah. Normally, you like that. I didn't think that was a good one. Shannon Jr. misses another jumper. Malik gets a mm-hmm. rebound. Tyson misses a jumper. Coleman Hawkins misses a jumper in the paint. So these teams are are spending basically a, a minute and a half just trading missed shots, and Michigan State's not chipping away at that lead. Then A.J. Hogard hits a three with 4.58 to go to cut it to three. He comes down after um, there was a turnover by Coleman Hawkins, and then A.J. buries them in the paint. Uh, it was a foul on Coleman Hawkins where it was really an intelligent play. He penetrated, yeah. pulled up, waited for Hawkins to Hawkins' momentum to carry him past him. Hawkins reached out, got him on the uh, on the the elbow, but AJ was still able to finish. He hits the free throw. So you go from a six point deficit in now well, we'll call it fifty seconds to a tie yeah. game thanks to six points by A.J. Hogarth. And then from there, you know, it was a battle until Michigan State 
really took control, um, largely thanks to Malik Hall with a couple and ones. Uh, but I think those two plays by AJ were really, really crucial moments, obviously, in that game because it took it from a six-point, you know, two-possession deficit to a tie game, and then Michigan State just took control from there. So hats off to both those guys. Tyson, as you mentioned, with 19, he was his his typical self, um, and and they got 10 and some very good defense at times, I thought, from Jade Nakin. So the, the big four all showed up for sure, but it was those two seniors that we mentioned that I think were the the most important guys in um in that in that win, you know, out of a and yeah. again, just a, a really, really good team effort to win this one. I wanna point something else out though before we move on to another subject, because you talked about and we just were detailing what went into that twenty four to eight run to close the game. I think the close to the first half was just as important because Michigan sure. State with six and a half minutes left in the first in the first, Michigan State was also, if I remember correctly, down eight. They were. They were down 31-23. Yeah. In the final yeah. six and a half minutes, they closed on a 21 to 10 run to go from eight down to three up. Now, you know, Illinois came out and immediately took the lead early in the second half. It's not like MSU took control of the game there and it never wavered. But they were in kind of a dangerous spot, definitely a dangerous spot at that point. Oh, yeah. Down eight, you're, you know, six and a half minutes left in the half. You've only put 23 points on the board. That's not a lot of point production. And then they go off, they rip off almost as many. They rip off 21 points in the final six and a half minutes might have been as dialed in as they've been offensively at any as at any point this season, especially considering the quality of the opposition. I mean, to put up that many points in that short a period of time was really impressive. And it it not only meant they stayed in the game, it was they were up at the half. So you carried momentum and belief into into halftime, which it matters. You know, Illinois is the kind of team where if they're playing the way they're capable of playing and the way they did for a lot of this game, uh, they can demoralize you. I mean, that that to me yeah. is, I, I don't know about you, I think this is the best win of the season. I think it it it's a clear-cut winner over the Baylor game for one major reason, and I'm, I'm putting apart, you know, putting aside rather the fact that it's a Big Ten game and where MSU is in the schedule and, and all of that. I just think the biggest difference is Illinois played well. Baylor didn't yes. play well. Yeah. Michigan State right. took the hammer to them, but Baylor also did not play well. Illinois played well. Illinois did things the way they shot the three for a lot of that game is not the way they normally shoot the three. But Dane Danger goes to the line and hits two free throws. <laughs> the guy subbed, I know, and they yeah. look great. They were both all net. And the guy's shooting sub 40% from the line. They had a lot of things going their way. And th- I thought they ran that NBA isolation, you know, matchup-oriented mm-hmm. offense we talked about. I thought they ran it extremely well. I thought Hawkins was an absolute load. Shannon played pretty clearly his best game since coming back. They had a lot of things going well for them. And so for Michigan State to win a game against that caliber of opponent, playing as well as they did 
hey, that's you did some very, very good things to get that one in the win column. So I think it's pretty clearly their best. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I agree because because of the reasons you, you pointed out. And I think, you know, to, to expand on your point, too, with nine minutes left in the first half, Hawkins picks up a second foul. He leaves the game. Uh, it took about a minute and a half, and then Michigan State made that big run. And I don't think that's any coincidence when Hawkins For left sure. the game. Because sure. he was – because two things. One is I think, you know, offensively he's just really – he he is a good safety valve for them. He's a guy who can really hurt you. Yeah. And the defensively, he's so much better mo- mobile than Danger. Yep. And Michigan State got a lot of stuff done without him in the lane clogging stuff up. And so absolutely, it was really key, which is why they brought him back at the end of this, the first half as well. I mean, they just had to. It's a great point, and you're absolutely right. And I certainly remember thinking that as the game was unfolding. I'm glad you brought that up. I do agree. That was a huge, huge positive for Michigan State to have him in foul trouble during that stretch. And you're right. It was at both ends. Illinois' offense wasn't flowing as well because they didn't have they didn't have that mismatch. I mean, that's the that's the toughest thing is you got a six eleven guy that you're trying to deal with, um, who can hit the three, who can back you down, but then as soon as you try to bring any help, he's finding a shooter. You know, he's a yeah. very, very good passer. And we talked about that They've run a lot of offense through him over the last two, three years. This year, more than more than most, because as we've also talked about, they don't have a point guard. But, you know, again, I hate to say it because I'm not his biggest fan, but I do really have to give <laughs> Brad Underwood credit because he has figured out a way that this that he's fortunate that he's got how many teams have a 6'10 guy that's as skilled as Hawkins. Not many. And and teams might have 6'10 guys that can hit a jumper and also back you down, but those players rarely have the vision and the ability to pass to find shooters cross-court, no less, uh, the way Hawkins can. That's a rare combination, but nevertheless, he recruited him, so he's got him on his roster and he's been able to utilize the guys he has and play to their strengths in ways that mitigate the lack of a point. And I will say, I think it's fair to suggest that down the stretch, especially those back-to-back possessions where Michigan State got, I believe they were back-to-back, Michigan State got steals from Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard. That's mm-hmm. that's where, you know, you can you can argue about it if you want, but I think that that's where having a, a guy who truly can run the show offensively in big moments, that's where you you could get hurt. And Illinois did get hurt. I, I also think that, and this is kind of outside the realm of talking about this game, but as I watched this game for as for as much talent as Illinois has and as many things as they can do well, I still think, that this is a team that in the NCAA tournament is potentially really vulnerable because like Purdue, they are fortunate that what is in my mind their biggest weakness doesn't really get attacked very much in this conference because nobody or almost nobody plays truly aggressive perimeter defense. You don't typically see guards in the Big Ten that get up into you and make you know, make just getting into your offense and completing a pass a chore. They not many teams do that. 
in the in the NCAA tournament, it's quite possible that that they will run into that kind of matchup. And just like Purdue, I think they're very vulnerable to upsets because of it. Because they don't, you know, Purdue at least has guys that you know you could legitimately call guards. Illinois doesn't. Yeah. Illinois is running with its its wings. It's it's all wings. I'd even say Coleman Hawkins is not really a true big man. I mean, it's a team of wings. He's just he's just a big man. Yeah, and it, but if you look at the yeah. way he plays, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. They don't have that guy that can steady the ship when when the pressure is being turned up. And I think that's you know for them. If I were an Illinois fan, I wouldn't be nearly as concerned about seeding as I would be about matchups. What kind yeah. of teams, regardless of the seed, what kind of team are you drawing? That's going to be the vulnerability for them. And nothing I saw today makes me think much differently about that. And, and again, those possessions late in the game, they illustrate the point. I mean, MSU wasn't really even playing huge pressure on them in those possessions and they still were able to generate two straight turnovers so i don't know remains to be seen but that's the vulnerability i see with with that team as good as they can as good as they are and as good as well as they can play it's there it's an unusual team i mean they had 14 assists in the game and coleman hawkins had seven of them and two turnovers this is your point that he's a very good passer yeah uh, then that one he threw into the into the big big turnover and yeah there you go there's another example there were, and Coleman Hawkins is a good passer, but again, he's not, he's not a point guard. And, and when you don't have, when you put so much pressure on that guy to be, or, or on Domask or on Shannon, when you put pressure on those guys to be creators, I think there's a risk, you know, as much as they do, I think there's a risk that some things can go wrong, especially in big moments. And you did, you know, for better or for worse, you did see that happen today from them down the stretch. They weren't very good. Michigan State was great. Yeah, so let's talk just briefly before we get into other details. Just talk about Jackson Kohler. I mean, I think, and maybe I would almost say, I want to say it's the five, because if you look at the the minute distribution, very different from what it's been the season so far. Uh, you have Mahdi played very li- sparingly. He played nine minutes. Yeah. That's got to be his lowest total. Yeah. I mean, that was partly foul trouble in the first half. And second half, not very effective. And yep. Cooper ends up with 23 minutes. Kohler plays 13. Uh, very impactful minutes. I mean, he had those two offensive rebounds. I think they're both in the first. Maybe one is the first and one is nope, the second half. No, they're both in the uh, first he, half. Yeah, where he put put a both tap-ins, basically. Yep. Um, yeah, I know. and even there are a couple that he almost had offensive rebounds, too, where you just... It's interesting watching a guy like him, and we talked about this earlier. That he just instinctively kind of knows where the ball is going. Hundred percent. You know, where I think the where like Mahdi is reacting, and Kohler's anticipating and then reacting. But it doesn't you don't have to be quite as great an athlete if you kind of have a feel for where it's going to end up. If you have a knack, if you have a knack for where a ball is going to come off, and you're quick to react, which doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as being quick, but just a, your reaction is quick and gets you into the right spot before anybody else, even if you're not a great athlete, um, that can be a big deal. I'm with, I think this was, this was what I was waiting to see from Jackson Kohler. Uh, this is the first game that I think by virtue of his performance, he stated a case for a bigger role. 
Now, it doesn't mean that's an automatic going forward, but it's the first time where I feel like coming out of a game, you could look at the way he played and his contributions and say, you know what, that guy's probably earned something for the next one rather than just, you know, a quick turn in each half. Uh, and you saw it reflected in the minutes. As you said, it was the most minutes yeah. he's played. And I agree with you. He was very effective. Um, now, if you want to harp on the negative, you say, well, there were a couple layups he missed that he shouldn't have. And, yep. you know, that was a problem for him last year, right? So, mm-hmm. fine, uh, I'll take that. But, you know, one of those was an extremely impressive play that I don't <laughs> that think move, I've right? ever seen him make. He got the ball down low. It was a pass from somebody. Might have been Aikens, might have been somebody else who's penetrating. Found him and he around the rim, and he had Hawkins on him, and he moved Hawkins. He just moved him with his body and then blew a makeable layup. Hawkins fouled him, and he ended up missing the two free throws. So you come away from it with a negative feeling because of the outcome. But what I'm saying is he made a play down low I've never seen him make. And if he can do that more often, then he becomes an even bigger weapon around the blocks because that was that was a use of physicality and strength that I have not seen from him before. So to me, that was really impressive and quietly a much bigger deal than the missed free throws. That's how mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly been there's been a lot of uh, gnashing teeth, tearing of sackcloth, you know, yeah. of, of the center position, and I think you know rightly so that's not been as performed as well as we had hoped. But in some level, you think you know this is is this is what Izzo saw end of last year through the summer, right? I think he felt like he had this, yeah, for the five. And I mean, I'm sure he was thinking at some level, you know, there's a good reasonable chance that Kohler, if he plays like he's been playing the summer, is going to be the one starting these games over Mati. And you bring Mati off the bench, and you know, or then you could maybe throw Cooper in there playing the four. I mean, you can start seeing some combinations that make sense. Uh, but you know, of course, he was out to begin the year. But now you start wondering: is you could maybe see a, a more expanding role, certainly for for Jackson going forward. Yeah, I think he he made real contributions in this game, and um, this was not an easy one. Here's the other thing that's important too: is this was not an easy game to play him in. Now they did try to match him up with danger yeah, on a couple right. of occasions, which makes sense. But that wasn't exclusively the minutes he played. He also played against other guys. And Illinois creates issues with the lineups that they play. So the fact that he was able to hang in there and that, you know, I may be missing something, but I don't remember any glaringly bad defensive sequences no. from Jackson. He no. he also got a blocked shot in this game, which, which came during during uh, that run that Michigan State made to close out the first half. He was part of that, as were, I believe, both of his baskets, or at least one of them was. So um, he did some, yeah, he did some positive things and, you know, happy with him. I thought I thought Carson Cooper was solid. Not spectacular, mm-hmm. but what do you have, five rebounds and three points? And I thought he hung in there defensively. Um, so they, yep. they got, as you say, Mahdi didn't do much today, but they got decent enough, enough contributions out of the five that, you know, I, I felt, I felt okay about what they did on a day where it was going to be really challenging because of 
the lineups that Illinois throws at you that just make it very, very difficult for true bigs to hang in there against them, you know? Yeah. That's certainly why they felt more comfortable with Cooper because he's just ability to absolutely at this stage of his career is better. Those balls screen out of the, you know, because you're basically playing Hawkins outside the three point line and he's as much a threat out there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, why don't we go through the brothers of just gutters and not only to mention, talk about the, our listener out uh, out West who use them for his gutters, but uh, just to point out that they actually, you know, if you have a deck and you want to have a dry underneath your deck, like you maybe you want to even have a nice seating area, they actually put stuff in. Um, it's like a, a ceiling that goes underneath your deck, and they can install those for you. Put in, you know, ceiling fans, all sorts of things, really, and really fix it up and almost add an extra room to your house. I mean, obviously, you could enclose it if you want, but that is an option too that they they provide. Uh, so not only do they do gutter work, but they do do that under decking, and so those are those are super nice. We actually have that up at our. Um, at our lake home. And it's really nice having that dry space, uh, or for us, it's a shuffleboard court, <laughs> but, but it's kind of nice having that where you don't get, if, even if it's a rainy, rainy day in the summer, you can still get outside. So it's very nice. So the brothers are just your gutters, both on the East and West side of the state. You can get a hold of them at our support page at the final fours on the schedule.com slash support there. You can get links to either Kurt or Greg, depending where you live in the state of Michigan to get that work done. Or I guess you just look, go to brothersgutters.com and find someone else in your area, but just tell me, listen to us. So I give credit to Greg and Kurt. So maybe they go to their conventions and stuff, <laughs> but they uh, sponsor the player that Michigan state needs to keep in the gutter. And this game, I, we we're, Ron and I were joking before and we, we didn't remember it was, I thought it was, well, which one of two, uh, which my wife one turned, of two guys we knew it was, it was one was of it two Domosco, guys. Was it Shan, yeah. Was it Terrence Shannon? We're like, ah, I don't remember. So I had to go back and listen, but so it was Marcus Damask. Uh, and he finished with 12 points, four of eight from the field. So pretty good shooting, but not many, not low volume. Three of five from three was pretty good. Yeah. One to two for line, four, four rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, two blocks. But I will say he never looked comfortable. AJ was carding him almost the entire yep. game, virtually the whole game. And he always looked like he wanted to get rid of the ball. I mean, AJ had the one steal, I think it was in the first half, where he poked it away from him and went down and got a layup. But he just was harassing him and you could definitely see that he is not used to being the primary point guard which is i felt like he definitely played more that this game than the first game where it felt like rogers was kind of the primary point uh but i don't know i i thought they did a great job keeping him in the gutter and fortunately it was him and not shannon <laughs> to keep in the gutter yeah it depends how you're defining it because when you look at the numbers he had an efficient game but i would agree with you that he he didn't impact it the way that you expect based on how he's played uh, and how Illinois has played. Now, what was interesting is I do think some of that was by design. I think they pretty clearly made a decision to play through Hawkins in this game much more than they typically do. Hawkins definitely is a guy they run offense through, but, but Damascus has been the primary guy, especially since Shannon went out. And mm-hmm. and today it was pretty obvious from the get-go that they were going to try to run a lot through Hawkins because they liked the matchups. And so yeah. some of it was that, I think, that it was a strategic decision that Illinois made to go away from Damascus, as the primary guy in that role. But um, he didn't get a lot of shots up. He certainly, as as you said, there were a lot of moments of that game where he tried to do things 
and was guarded well enough that he just couldn't, you know? Um, and yeah. so hats off to Michigan State defensively for that. The thing that was most irritating to me, honestly, was three for five from three. Is a guy <laughs> shooting sub 25% from three on the year, and he goes 60%. Now, two— They were open. That's sort of, that's exactly what I was going to say. Those shots were— I want to say Hawkins might have had assists on all three. I know he had yeah, a couple of them. But where it was just Michigan State was doubling off him, which, frankly, mm -hmm. is not the worst. If you're going to double off somebody, he's not a bad choice, and he just made them pay. And it's irritating to watch it because I'm, I'm, this guy is not <laughs> a good jump shooter, and he keeps hitting. Um, but, again, there weren't enough of them where Damask, you know, Illinois probably needed a third guy. You know, when, when you look at the point distribution, this is a team that especially – since Shannon went out and has continued since he's been back, maybe needed one more. You know, he had 28. Hawkins had 14, but Hawkins was doing a lot of other things, so his point totals aren't reflective of the impact he had on the game. But they really needed one more guy, I think, to step up uh, to win mm -hmm. this one. The way Michigan State had, you know, a Hogard and Hall and Walker. And Domas right. would be the obvious choice, and he only had 12 points. And again, it's not about the efficiency in a very efficient game. He just didn't do a lot in terms of, um, you know, just getting shots up. And he, again, as we said, he wasn't really the catalyst for what they were doing on offense. So that didn't show up either. So I'd, I'd say I wouldn't, I, I don't think you could fairly say Michigan State kept him in the gutter, but he did not have, he certainly didn't have the kind of impact that I thought he had in the first game. Yeah, no, I think that's fair to say. All right, then the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids brings us the the Michigan State player that cleans up the last best. Uh, the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids should be your go-to business to go clean your glass, whether it's your home, your business, maybe a high-rise, they've cleaned the state capital, they go out and power wash, they'll do whatever it takes to get things clean. Very professional crew, super friendly, they'll, they're meticulous, they'll come out and do give you a good price and they'll take the time to really clean everything, including your screens if you want, inside your sills, really whatever you need done. Uh, They're great professionals, great Spartan uh, fans as well. So uh, check out the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, 15% off. You mentioned rebound uh, for your estimate. You can find that at the finalforce.theschedule.com slash support on your support page, and now you see the link to click. Uh, so I'm down five to three and a half. Uh, I picked Madi Sissoko, <laughs> who finished with one rebound. <laughs> And you had Malik Hall, who had five rebounds, and the winner was Jaden yeah. Akins with six. Yeah, I he was, got uh, he got one late too that helped. Was him. right there on uh, the edge, but well, I mean, in the first half, Kohler was ahead. Yep. Kohler had I think three three boards, which led the entire team. So here's the thing I want to <laughs> say about that, and we'll and we'll return to this um, when we talk about the keys in a minute. But yeah. This was, in my mind, this game was a prime example of something that Michigan State has done so well over the years and has not done particularly well this season, but boy, they did today, and that's gang rebounding. I felt like yep. everybody was engaged, and so what you saw was a pretty even performance. You had a lot of guys in that four to six. I mean, let's, let's see what it looked like. So you had... One, two, three, three, four, four, four guys 
with at least four rebounds in this game. Yeah. That's that's not and nobody with more than six. So that was a, a nice example of team effort on the glass. So we'll both take the L in this one. And you know, again, it's a great sign too that it's Jaden Akins, right? Giving them that yes. perimeter yes. rebounding. That you love to see that. I think it's a, it's not an accident that we feel good about Michigan State as a rebounding group when a perimeter guy is leading the way. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about Jaden. I mean, he was 4-7 for the field, 2-3 from 3, 6 boards, one of them offensive, 2 assists, no turnovers, a block, and a steal. I mean, that's a solid game. It, it is. And while I mentioned him a second ago that, you know, that they got all four of the big four were in double digits. He just got yes. there. But they were big buckets in that in mm-hmm. that in that first half run. He was he was really contributing. And I thought in the second half, even though he wasn't scoring much, uh, you know, other than that uh um well, I guess the three the three that he got teed up on was in the first half. It was the close of the first half. But he did <laughs> I wonder what he said to the bench. <laughs> yeah, you know, both of those were uh, I know. I, I'm of two minds on that. We might as well talk about that for a second, because on the one hand, I I saw what Coleman Hawkins, I haven't seen what Jaden said but i saw what coleman hawkins claims he said he said that when he was rising up for the shot a fan said to him you suck and he turned around and said (laughs) boom now if that's the case i think it's probably a stretch on one hand because he's definitely not taunting an opponent you know he wasn't saying it to a player right um But I think in Coleman Hawkins' case, his reputation precedes him, and so that's a problem. You know, he's known as a guy who talks a lot, who's demo- overly demonstrative, and so sometimes yep. you get reputation things. So that was the case there, and so I don't have a problem with it. You don't, you don't want. I understand. Brad, Brad Underwood was quoted something like, "We try to, we try to take all the fun out of the game," something like that. I get what he's saying. And I certainly, I certainly am not someone who counts myself in the decorum police camp. But <laughs> I also don't know that you want to just have guys just running their mouth with the crowd in an unlimited way. On the other hand, if what he said is accurate as to what actually happened, I probably wouldn't have been inclined to call a team myself there. With Jaden... Look, the mistake is so you don't talk to the bench. You don't talk to the opposing bench. He clearly did, and especially because it came on the backs of the Hawk call against Hawkins, you knew Illinois' bench was going to raise holy hell, and they did, and they got the T. <laughs> um, yeah. The interesting thing about Hawkins is all the, the, the stands right behind him were all the former players. So I find it a little hard to believe that they were out there. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe they would, but I think it'd be unlikely to be taunting a player on the, on the court. Well, I don't know that saying you suck is anything unusual, right? Yeah, but you, we're on the road. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. On the road? Right, no, yeah. It's not. <laughs> you kind of expect that. But again, if all he said was boom after he hit a three, I, you know, I don't know that I find that to the point that it should be teed up. And, I, and I'm no Coleman Hawkins fan, but I just... I don't know. And again, I don't know specifically what Jaden said, but 
just you, you can't talk to the opposing fans. Yeah, right. You just can't do it. But that's all that said, I thought Jade Nakins, even though he wasn't scoring much, I think he only had two points in the second half because I think he had eight at halftime. Um, but I thought he defended really well. I actually thought he did a pretty good job in some segments where he was guarding Shannon. Um, you know, and, and Shannon, for all that he did, and, and look, you can't, you can't knock whatever it was. Um, sorry, I lost, yeah, 28 <laughs> points. Sorry, I lost my box score there for a second. Uh, you can't knock 28 points, but, you know, seven for 19 from the floor wasn't great there. Um, two for nine from three and boy, that number seems weird, doesn't it? Because it felt like yeah. he and Hawkins combined were four for 16 from three. I just know for me, I don't know about you or our listeners, but it felt they were, it felt like they were better than that, but they weren't. Yes. I was surprised when I saw the box score as well. I'm like, wow, I don't remember being like one of six in the second half. I remember the one he hit from like five, six feet behind the yes. line. Yes. Yes. That was a, a desperation shot clocks running out and he, he drains it, but Illinois had a Illinois had some of those shots in that game. We're just like that's that's not you know like Damask. Yeah, he's wide open. He's also shooting twenty four percent. So you feel <laughs> like that's one you can maybe take a risk on, and then he just keeps keeps draining them. Um, it was hard to live with, and that Shannon one was hard to live with. But you know the fact obviously the the big thing for Shannon was that he was able to get to the line so often. You know, twelve for thirteen yeah. from free throws, but I honestly think, especially in the latter stages of that game, Michigan State did a really good job defending him. And I think one of the one of the real keys in this one is that why they were better down the stretch. I don't think MSU was helping quite to the same degree they were early in that game. You know, right. a lot of what we talk about with the you know, Damask being wide open, those kind of shots, was a result of Michigan State overhelping, or there were also possessions where they kind of got somebody got caught in no man's land, like half in help position, half not, and they weren't able to recover to a shooter. Um, or uh, conversely, where they would struggle sometimes dealing with penetration. You know, they talked a lot on the broadcast about. Izzo's plan for dealing with Shannon particularly as building a wall, meaning that they get that help defender to come over and get very close to the man actually on ball against Shannon so that physically he's he's got nowhere to go. He's running into a wall of humanity, you know? That was the mm -hmm. plan. I didn't think they executed it all that well early in the game. I thought they were a lot better late, but was funny about it is they weren't really defending him as much with that wall concept. They were just getting better man-to-man -man defense and dribble containment and not giving him easy paths to the basket. So I thought they did okay when they needed to um, at winning time against Shannon. So he, look, 28 points, it's by far the best game he's played since coming back. That's clear. And he may have reestablished himself as their alpha. That was something we talked about in the pregame, right? That he hadn't really, yeah. he hadn't really put himself 
firmly back where he had been. He wasn't scoring as much. He wasn't shooting as well from deep. He's still not shooting well from deep, but um, his overall offensive game was was right back where they want it to be. He was in attack mode, and he was very effective for a lot of that game, but not when they really needed him most. Yeah, I was actually surprised. Again, I was surprised at how ineffective he was in some ways in the second half, aside from getting to the line. I mean, he was you know one for six from three. Yeah. And that was more testament to just the fact that he was well guarded, uh, which is uh, and partly too. I think part they made that. not the only guy. Yeah, I would say Jade was more part of it too. I feel like in the first half there was walkers on him a little bit more, and he was able to exploit him a little bit, shoot over yep. him, and he had a little bit more difficulty with with Akins. Yeah, and then you know that's something again. We we talked about it. One of the real challenges that Illinois presents, and you saw it today, is exactly what you just mentioned. There's so many for a team like Michigan State that's that's got very good guards but not particularly big guards. It's it's a real challenge sometimes to match up physically. And you're right, a guy like Shannon being guarded by Tyson Walker. We all know Tyson Walker's a very very good defensive player. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes six seven against six one or six foot, whatever you want to credit Tyson <laughs> with being, that's it. He can play well, and yeah. it's not going to matter. And we did see some examples of that, especially as you noted in the first half. So, um, I, I don't know, but I, I thought I thought on balance this was a, another good game from Jaden. He contributed in a lot of ways, not just one way. It wasn't just three point shooting. You know, he did a lot of things well. All right. Well, hats off to Jaden. He'll make his even more challenging to try and figure the. Michigan State player cleans the glass going forward now that he's won the competition twice. Uh, well, let's move on to the five keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com is a great place to get your Spartan apparel, either the standard Spartan stuff or vintage uh, vintage logos like the Dunking Gruff Sparties. They've got all those sorts of things. Uh, super comfortable, screen printed, very durable. Go through the wash a million times. They, do, they still look and feel great. Uh, they're Again, as always, the most popular in my family. I got some more with the, when our stores open. At some point, we'll open the store up again. But anyway, you can't go wrong with Nudge Printing. You get 20% off at checkout if you type in Final Four, just one word. Uh, and again, Nudge Printing is not, not only great Spartans, but great product. Uh, and there's actually, they've just opened up. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers are now on there too. So I guess if you're a Hoosier, you can get your stuff there too, as well as the, a lot of the other schools in the state of Michigan. Uh, so moving on to the five keys of the game, we'll start with number one, which was rebounding. Michigan State actually was one of the few teams they out-rebounded <laughs> earlier in the season, the Big Ten, which is Illinois, which is a great offensive rebounding team. And this game, I think they tied. I think they both had 33 rebounds, so yeah, it was a tie, uh, which is a win for Michigan State in that sense. Uh, from an offensive rebounding standpoint, Illinois, 26%. Michigan State, 26% offensive rebounding rate. And so, uh, you know, there's also a a win if I think in as far as Michigan State goes but I think the bigger number is the team rebounds and you've mentioned this a number of times that the team rebounds weren't to Michigan State's favor six to one yeah and I think that sort of tells you sort of the yep. effort level and that gang rebounding sort of mentality really good point really good point yes I, I would agree with that um I think it I think it's a measure of two things at times one is if you're having problems getting team rebounds to go your way sometimes that's a result of not having guys that are strong enough with the ball 
so they can get jostled, ball can get knocked loose. Um, they can't secure a rebound, in other words. And there have been times where Michigan State's been the wrong end, on the wrong end of that this season for that reason, that they just can't close a possession out, can't get a clean rebound. On the other side of it, if you're winning those, it's exactly as you just said. It can be an indication of the activity and the toughness and the relentlessness and the effort that you're playing with. And I thought today, you know, Illinois people may feel the former way, but if you're a Michigan State person, <laughs> you you acknowledge the latter, that Michigan State got rewarded for the effort level and the motor that they played with in that category. And I think, look, I think it's pretty simple. When you're playing a team that rebounds the ball the way Illinois does, if you're even with them, which Michigan State was today by by any measure, that's a win. If you're not, if, if you're preventing them from having an edge, that's a win. Because they expect to have an edge. I mean, they had they had four offensive rebounds in the seemingly the blink of an eye in this game. It was, within the first five minutes, I think they had they had mm-hmm. four. And, yeah, I think so. And uh, they only had five more the rest of the way. So that's that's a hell of a job. Yeah, they were they were very good. And I mean, you could be forgiven if you're an Illinois fan thinking Michigan State is the usual Michigan State right. uh, rebounding right. team. Here's <laughs> both times performance you saw Michigan State rebound very well. And I don't think it was a lack of effort on Illinois' no, part. I think it was just no, Michigan State no. put a mind to it and just did it. You know. And I, again, this is the maddening thing. Once again, <laughs> we see Michigan State yes. facing a if not an elite rebounding team, an extremely good one. And they do the job. And then you look at, you know, they're, they're going to go into a game, two games this week against Penn State and Michigan, right? Two teams that are uh, coming up that uh, are not great rebounding teams necessarily. And you just have to hope that something has, a switch has flipped. <laughs> and that they yeah. finally, okay, we actually are capable of rebounding the ball well because we prove it against good opponents. Now you have to do the job against those who should beat. You know that's been the problem. I'm going to. I'll take your line and I'll be from Missouri in this. Right. That, well, that's a, exactly. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the only sane place to be because we've seen it over and over and over. But it's uh, once right. again today is another data point. Hey, they're capable of doing it. So why don't they do it all the time? <laughs> So we'll move on to the second key to the game was keep them on the perimeter. Well, I think it's fair to say that Michigan State did a good job keeping Illinois in the perimeter. Uh, Illinois only had 22 points in the paint. Didn't have a ton of free throws. They had up 20, but that was pretty even with Michigan yeah. State. Well, not even even. I guess they had they had Michigan State had more makes than they had free throws yep. attempts. 100%. Probably because of the end of the game, but not even that. No, totally. it was, but they had 30. They had 33s. Uh, they had 60 free field goal attempts. So 50 percent of their field goal attempts came for the three. I know that cannot be there where they normally run. Nope. And so that was, I guess, a win in that sense. 100%. I mean, there were points in the game where certainly I was questioning that because, and in fairness, <laughs> what we had said was, look, Illinois is not a bad three-point shooting team. It's just against a good opponent, you're going to have to pick something to give up, most likely. You can't take right. everything away. And on balance, you would say that's the thing you would give up. I think in the end... That proved to be a wise decision. Barely, but it was. <laughs> Illinois shot better. 
not not massively better. The way it ended up, they were what thirty six percent from three, I think, on the yeah, game. 30, yeah, oh, 37, 37. Mm-hmm. 37 almost. Yeah, you round it up. So that's about three percent better than they normally shoot. But there were points in that game where they were at fifty percent. So it definitely yeah. evened out a bit as you went along. And down the stretch, they they couldn't buy one. You know, so yeah, things did right, kind of really come mattered. back to earth a little bit uh, in that category. But look, at, you know, 20 free throw attempts for Illinois is not is not a great number. I mean, they are a team that absolutely um, can live on the offensive uh, or on the free throw line, rather. And, you know, just as I'm, I'm talking here, I want to quickly check those statistics um, to see what they're averaging as a team. I know they're 123rd. That's all I I see. Yeah, that's not a great number, but 27 divided by 22. Okay, so they averaged 22 free throw attempts per game. That's about about average. So it was a little better than average. And and I think, again, I think that's, that's a win. Conversely, when you make more than the opponent of taps, that's, and those of our listeners who are a little young may not remember this, but that used to be, uh, you know, you got used to those, there's certain cliches you hear so many times by broadcasters that they become a running joke, like Drew Neitzel's ambidextrous, (laughs) or did you know that um, Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed played in high school together? Those things that you hear over what? and over and over. There used to be <laughs> yeah. one about Indiana basketball, Bob Knight teams. Oh, yeah, Indiana. Yes. They make more free throws than their opponents attempt. And mm-hmm. it's a pretty good proxy, cliched as it might be, for playing winning basketball. If you do that regularly, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to lose. You can lose, but it's going to be difficult to. And Michigan State did that today against an Illinois team that not only does a decent job at getting to the line, but also doesn't tend to foul very much. And Michigan State made them. That, to me, was the biggest story of this game offensively for Michigan State is as much as at any time this season, they were hell-bent on getting to the basket, on forcing those guys to stop them at the rim or foul them. And made, hey, you mentioned points in the paint were lopsidedly in Michigan State's favor. And I think, you, yeah. you know, sometimes that number can be a little deceptive because it doesn't capture um, free throws. Free throws. Yeah, where you're getting in dying. But, but that, attempts, that wasn't yeah. the case here because Michigan State no. was doing just as much, if not more, at the line as a result of their penetration than Illinois was. I mean, this game was, well, we'll, we'll get to, uh, I'll, I'll save that point for a minute here, but. Um, just suffice it to say, Michigan State's being intent at doing that was a big part of this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they had more end ones this game than they had in, in most games. Well, they have at least one. Well, Malik <laughs> had two, right? I know AJ had at least one. Tyson had one at least. Tyson yeah, had so one, had and I think, well, Jackson should have had one. <laughs> he <Yeah>. didn't, but... <laughs> yeah. All right, so moving on to the third key to the game is pace. Uh, this was, we weren't sure really how much Michigan State would get in transition. They got quite a bit. They were, yeah. and even on the Michigan State 
uh, stingy fast break point <laughs> statistics. They have a 23 yeah. to nine edge. Yeah. Certainly felt that way. A number of those were those steals, especially at the end, those backbreakers yep. that almost like, were they two straight possessions where they just yep. basically just stole like a little tiny little short little pass to, to Hawkins. And anyway, so that, that was, was the knockout uh, and, punch. and the times. Yeah. And, and at times they were playing with pace in the half court, which is also the thing that we like to see uh, when they bogged down, they were not playing with pace. They had some, they had a couple segments, one in each half, where they got bogged down, and they weren't they weren't playing fast. And and boy, if you if you imagine that I wasn't saying something in my television set, you'd be wrong. Um, <laughs> about when they would enter those, when they would be in those bogged down in those possessions where nobody's moving, AJ's dribbling, and the shot clock's ticking, and nothing's happening. It, they can't play that way. But for the most part, I thought this game was played very much the way Michigan State wants to play. Now, it helps that Illinois wants to play fast, too. Mm -hmm. You know? So they're not inclined to do what, say, a Wisconsin or a Maryland would do, where they're going to slow it down and they're going to try and get you in the mud. That's not how Illinois wants to play. So you do have those opportunities. But, um, you know, you mentioned those turnovers. Look. The, neither team had big, big turnover problems. Illinois had nine, Michigan State only six. But Michigan State had six steals to Illinois' three, so doubled them up there. Mm-hmm. And points off turnovers, Michigan State 13 off the nine Illinois turnovers, Illinois three off Michigan State six. That's usually a pretty good proxy for how many live ball turnovers you're getting. And you mentioned a couple of huge ones late, just huge, um, kind of iced the game, those two plays. And took yeah. it from Michigan State, was still in control, but you weren't way out top. You know, you, you still were in a spot where if Illinois can hit a three, they're right back in it. And those possessions kind of knocked it out of that range. Uh, and that, that's not even counting the emotion that those plays brought to bear on the game, you know, with the crowd going crazy and the players going crazy. Um, they were yeah. big moments, but um, yeah, I'm happy with the, with the way that Michigan state played. I thought Michigan state was really trying and intent on pushing it for most of that game. And I, I would even say too, it's not really related to pace so much, but even when they were throwing into Malik, they were very good with their spacing. I mean, they had, they gave him plenty of room. So it was really difficult to, to, to double him, which let him get to work and, and to, uh, abuse, uh, you know, Goody and, uh, Gary Air sometimes yep. as well. Yep. I agree. So the fourth key to the game was AJ and, and I'll say that this is the AJ I think we all hoped we'd see most of this year after watching this. Is, this is kind of like the AJ we had in the Kansas state game. Smart, whole tournament. play tough, whole kept tournament. things... It's the, kept, it's yeah, so, well, that's it's true, the yeah. reason he was on the all-region team. That wasn't just one game, that was three. Right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely right. And uh, anyway, so th- I think we both think he's he'd been playing well the last... I mean, outside the last game in Minnesota, he'd been playing well. Yeah. But he wasn't playing like this. I mean, this is... I think this is his best game of the year. I think it's even better 100%. than... 100%. I don't remember the Baylor game that specifically. I mean, everybody looked good in Baylor, but I feel like this is him really being what you kind of hoped he'd be. Yep. And, you know, Mr. Inconsistent, right? I mean, if the, people always talk about 
Malik Hall with inconsistent this team sort of is, and I, that's largely because I think AJ is not this AJ or even close to it every game. So, boy, that'd be nice if we see this more often. Yeah, uh, look, he he answered the bell, right? Izzo let him yes. have it, and we've seen this before. Again, the shame of it is that it has to keep happening, <laughs> but you know, if it's got to happen, it's going to happen. Then. You want a guy who can respond, and boy, did he respond. Thought he was really good defensively, too, which doesn't show up in the numbers, but if you watch the game, I agree. he he was there. He played 35 minutes. You know, you look at the minutes these guys played, 36 for Malik, 34 for Tyson, 32 for uh, for Jaden, 35 for AJ. So all in the – basically every three of those guys in the mid-30s and Jaden at 32. AJ, 35 minutes, just a very poised game. We already talked about, I think you can argue that um, the two biggest offensive possessions of the game, maybe, if you were going to go to that level, were those two late in the second half where he Mm single-handedly brought Michigan State back from six down to even with a three and then with an and one that he converted in, in the lane. Uh, against Hawkins. Uh, five assists, zero turnovers. He had two steals, none bigger than that one late where he just kind of, you're right, they were trying to get the ball as they had been all game with relative ease to Coleman Hawkins. And then the possession before that, Tyson kind of got in that mix and came up with a steal. And then the next time down, they again were trying to go to Hawkins, basically in a similar spot on the floor. And this time, mm-hmm. AJ, yeah, it was the same play. AJ just extends his arm and is able to deflect it to himself. It was a great individual defensive play. No two ways about it. Um, again, backbreaker for Illinois to have a turnover there and then give up points at the other end. But I, I think the most impressive number, if we're just talking about the numbers that AJ Hogard racked up, in this game is 13 and 13 is the number of free throw attempts he had yes he hit 12 (laughs) yes we have not seen anything close to that all year and we've talked about it right a guy that plays the way he plays it seems like he doesn't get the benefit of the whistle as much as he should and then sometimes to be fair what compounds it is aj himself settles I think early in the year that was a problem. I think it was a problem in the last game against Minnesota where I didn't think A.J. was nearly aggressive enough. He was settling for jumpers. And look, the truth is A.J. Hogart is not a great jump shooter. He never will be likely. (laughs) So if he's going to settle for 15-foot, 12-foot jumpers, that's not the best thing he can do for this team. Um, So to see him get 13 free throws, and, you know, a couple of them late were – you know, result of, of uh, yeah. strategy, Illinois trying to prolong the, the game. Yeah. But even put those aside, he still got there much, much more. He was averaging, the last time I looked, and I haven't updated the number, but maybe a, a couple weeks ago, he was at something like three free throw attempts per game. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculously low. For a guy who plays the way he doesn't, who, by the way, also from an MSU perspective, He's their best free throw shooter. He's shooting 80%. So you want him yeah. at the line more than anybody else. So it, that was great to see. And I think 
it's a, a very, very strong indication of the mentality that he played this game with. He was attacking. And, and yep. sometimes you can try to get yourself in that mode and it means you're playing out of control. But when you are aggressive but under control, good things are going to happen. And that's exactly what I think he was in this game. So hats off to him. I think it was his best game of the year, too. And, you know, for Michigan State to get best games of the year out of two guys, like they did with A.J. Hogarth and Malik Hall, well, that's that's what you usually need if you're going to be a very, very good opponent when they're playing well. And that's what Michigan State yeah. got. It's exactly what they got. Yeah, I would say the one other thing I'd say about A.J. and when it comes to fouling, I feel like he is not great at forcing the, the officials to blow the whistle. Like, you know, th this game, he was a little craftier in making sure that they had to blow the whistle yeah. with the contact. And sometimes he just kind of like brushes through someone to get the get the lab, which is fine. But he doesn't get many and one opportunities because he doesn't. I think you have to take the contact and like have your direction change in, in the air, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know, you know like it's a moving it's straight a through. I hear what you're saying. And I think it's a fair point. The, the, the problem I have with it, and I suspect it's the problem that Michigan State has is you want to, the first thing you're thinking usually in those situations is score, put the ball yeah. in the back. Oh, sure. And so this happens, you know, I, I think about this all the time. I watch a fair amount of Premier League uh, soccer, and it is unfortunate to me that guys who flail get rewarded as opposed to guys who use their strength to stay on their feet and are trying to make a play through contact. Same thing applies to what you're talking about in basketball. I I, mm -hmm. I, I hear you, and, and probably you're right that from a from one perspective, would A.J. and Michigan State be better served if he wasn't trying to play as strongly through contact all the time? He was making it more obvious that he's been hit. Yeah, that might be the case. I think that's an indictment of officiating, though. Well, I more don't, than anything yeah, I don't else, that's either. what it is. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be penalizing a guy because he's actually trying to play the right <laughs> way, right? I think you're I think you're yeah, making a fair point. I don't disagree with it. I just I extend that out to what are we doing here? Why? Yeah, well, yeah, I I think yeah, I think you're entirely right. I think yeah, I think that's the that's the main problem. So. Uh, it's also part, the main reason I just cannot watch soccer. Boy, just guys falling down all the time. It just drives me crazy, uh, especially nothing happening. But that's just a little dig at my son. All right, so fine, the fifth and final key to the game is the response. Obviously, a really disappointing loss in Minneapolis game where they're up nine with like 13 minutes left, blow the game, shoot miserably from the free throw line. Was, you know, they weren't like lights out from the free throw line, uh, but much better. And overall, you know, this was a, obviously a win, a good response from the team. As I said earlier, if, if I would reduce this game to one word, I think it would, for me, it would be resiliency. And there yeah. were there were segments in each half where Illinois had an eight-point lead with not a ton of time, you know, well under 10 minutes to play in both segments. And both times, Michigan State took that moment, one in each half, to go on huge double-digit scoring advantage runs to close out the half and then close out the game. Um, Illinois had plenty of moments where they hit big shots, made big plays, 
and a team that didn't have resiliency probably would have cracked. You know, I keep coming back yeah. to it, but the thing that's so gratifying about this win is when you look at it, Illinois played well. This wasn't a, a situation right. where, I mean, I, I'm sure they have plenty of issues with certain things and the way they went in this game, and any team that loses is going to have those. But when you look at it on balance, this wasn't a situation where like, yeah, you know, Illinois just didn't give themselves chances to win this game because they didn't play well. They played well. And and so when you're faced with an opponent who's good anyway and is also playing well by their standard, that's a hell of a challenge. And and for Michigan State to just take punches and then keep getting back up, deliver their own right back and and find a way to win a hotly contested game, hey, that's that's the kind of response you you just hoped that you would see some version of. But I think even the most optimistic among us probably didn't expect that kind of game from Michigan State because there were some things that we saw them do that we haven't seen again. Malik Hall and A.J. Hogard each having arguably their best games of the season. That you know, that's not something you necessarily expect. But it's what they needed to do because if they hadn't gotten those, due to the way Illinois played, I don't think they win. Plus, plus, plus on this point, it was an old. I said on Twitter, it was an old time Michigan State win in in these senses. They ran, they gang rebounded, they were tough, but maybe most of all, what it reminded me of in, in terms of the history of the Azoera is they were resilient. When they were faced with adversity, they didn't fold. They just got back up off the canvas and swung at them again. Yeah, I definitely felt it. And this is a team that, I, again, I've told a number of times, I just don't trust them yet. And that probably because I haven't seen them continue, carry this over onto the road for multiple games. And sure. so they're going to get their opportunity now coming up because they're going to have the next two games on the road before they get back home again. And so we're going to see what this what this team can do, uh, but it's obviously a game that they had to win in the sense that I think it removes the slip. They would had they lost this game, it would there would have been very small margin for error the remaining of yeah. the season. And now they have a little bit more wiggle room. Should they drop one or two unexpected on the road, you know, we assume they're going to lose to Purdue. So uh, anyway, I think it just it was a good win in that sense. And obviously for their for us to believe that this team can do something special in the postseason. Look. Yeah, the Big Ten's out mainly because they just blew those games early in the season, uh, you know, with the, the Wisconsin and Northwestern games, and we're just in a big hole. But now I think we can do, I think we, I think you can imagine the right match, matchups and, you know, there aren't any overwhelming teams that NCAA right now that I can tell. So I think there's anything's possible and you get the right, right situation. You're playing the right way. I think you can do some great things with this team. What it tells you is that you can't make the argument that while this Michigan State team hasn't given us any reason to think that they can do any damage. Well, you can't say that now. Right. You could maybe mm -hmm. have said it. I mean, people have pointed to that Baylor win um, as an indication of how good they can be. The problem with that is that while Michigan State was extremely good that day, Baylor was bad. Baylor played poorly, yeah. too. So this is different because you can't say that. The opponent played well. You had to play really, really well to beat them. That's the kind of thing that you have to be capable of doing to win games in the tournament. 
because generally speaking, you're playing good opponents and you're going to be challenged. You know, you're going to get, if not mm -hmm. their best shot, you're going to get a really good one, right? And I think that's why this one is so meaningful because it, it, it demonstrably shows you this is how good they can be. Now, you're right to say you're not all in yet because they haven't done it consistently. No argument with that. But they've mm -hmm. shown us now what they are that they are capable of actually being the kind of team that we assumed they would be. They're capable of reaching those heights. And and so now the trick is can you find a way to maintain at least some standard remotely in this territory? You know, because if yeah. you can, you can go on a serious run and be going into March with all kinds of momentum. And then, you know, then all the things we talk about matchups and, you know, some good fortune and all those things start coming into play. But it really matters because it should give any Michigan State fan reason to believe that, yes, they are at least capable of doing things in March. Will they? Open question. But we know now, yeah. beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that there is a formula, there is an equation whereby this team can do that. And that's big. I think this team is still evolving and still changing. And I think, you know, the emergence of Jackson Kohler coming back and what his what his role is going to be two, two and a half, three weeks from now is, I think, different than right now, which potentially could change the way this team functions and plays, uh -huh. too. I think there's, there's, and, you know, there's... <clears throat> And this unrelated, maybe this is not even a discussion for today, but I I watched Coleman Hawkins. I think to myself, this may this reminds me of maybe this is who Booker is in three years. But like you know, he's not there now, obviously. But like a six ten skilled man who can use a dribble with the ball. And I would say this: I would say that you're not wrong in terms of his ability potentially to face people up. And obviously, we know. I think he's shooting. 40% from three in conference games, something like that. That's a small sample size, mm -hmm. but it's still there. Yeah. Um, those elements absolutely are there. I don't know that I believe that he's the passer that Coleman Hawkins is, but no, it's not. I don't think it's entirely off base. The question is going to be, you know, what happens with him? And those are all unknowns that we'll, you know, yeah, well, the, we'll, we'll see as the, we move into the off season. But um, I do agree with you that, you know, Jackson Kohler is potentially a guy who can can shift some things by himself enough to matter. And it doesn't mean he's got to go out and get you 10 and 8 either. It's just, do you have a guy like today? Okay, he gets you four points on second before second chance points. That's big. In a tight yeah. game, those are, those are plays. And again, for Michigan State team, that hasn't done a ton of that all year to get four from that guy. That 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 matters. And you know, I, the, the one thing I got to give Jackson thus far, the concerns that I had about him on the defensive end have certainly not shown up consistently. You know, he's he's hung mm -hmm. in there. He's made it there. I think they're they're doing a good job of picking spots, finding opportunities where he's not necessarily going to obviously get exploited. But 
he's he's holding his own. Yeah, if you look back to, I mean, Jay Nakins wasn't back to himself really until the end of February, right. where I felt like he was playing like you expected him to with from the same injury. Right. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll be back with a pregame for the Penn State Nittany Lions as Michigan State returns to the road. Again, check out our sponsors at thefinalfours.theschedule.com slash support. You can get the links for estimates from the Brothers of Just Your Gutters, the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, and the link for Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com, as well as a number of other things. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green.